my all-time Michigan team. You can agree or disagree after you see it next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Sandy Payne, Ohio State. Smell one. Brady gets terrific. Turns it. And a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schimbecker. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Blue and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. I have been waiting a long time to do this episode. Brett Ciancia from Pick Six Previews. He'll be joining us in the next segment of the show. He is very high on Michigan this fall, which is good news because he's also been publishing the most accurate preseason college football publication over the last several years. So we'll talk to him about why he's so high on the Wolverines coming up in just a few minutes. But now that we're kind of in the dog days of training camp and news is tough to glean and we're all just ready to get this thing going already, I want to take you way back. And I mean now, way back. Back to the week before Thanksgiving, 1983. And a 10-year-old Steve Dace has just moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And while he was living in Florida... He was a, he became, and yes, I'm pulling a Bob Dole and talking about myself in the third person. While I was in Florida, I became a massive football fan. So the first thing on my first weekend here now in my new home of West Michigan, first thing I'm looking for on that first Saturday, it was cold, wet. I'm looking for some football. I turn on the TV and I see this clash of colors. Scarlet and gray versus maize and blue. Winged helmets. Steve Smith, Rick Rogers, and a coach named Bo. And I was hooked. Michigan beat Ohio State that day. 
ended up going to the Sugar Bowl, narrowly losing to Bo Jackson in Auburn. Ohio State had a couple guys named Keith Byers, Mike Tomzak, names you might go on to remember in the NFL. And I fell in love. And I've been in love with this program as a beloved, proud Walmart Wolverine ever since. Well, that now, folks, is 40 years ago. 40 years I've been living and dying with the maize and blue. My man cave here in Des Moines where I live is painted maize and blue. My son's room painted maize and blue. My son dressed up as Jim Harbaugh for Halloween two years in a row. All right. My wedding colors, maize and blue. Needless to say, like many of you, I'm obsessed. So this is an episode I've been waiting a long time for, an opportunity to go back into the memory banks, 40 mostly great, Rich Rod, looking at you, 40 mostly great years of being a Michigan fan, and I've assembled my all-time team, my all-time Michigan team from 1983, the year I became a fan, to 2023. Those 40 years, let us begin. On offense, who else could be quarterback? Third in the Heisman Trophy balloting, the last Michigan quarterback to be a first-round draft pick, the first Michigan quarterback to ever throw a touchdown pass in the NFL, Jimmy. At running back, the natural, Tyrone Wheatley, man. I mean, just the natural. I mean, a specimen. The other running back, the exact opposite of Tyrone Wheatley, did not have his physical stature or tools, but was just a dude and remains Michigan's all-time leading rusher. And now he's on the coaching staff, Mike Hart. How about these two wide receivers? That's not too shabby. Braylon Edwards, Michigan's only Blitnikoff award winner, Desmond Howard, Michigan's second Heisman Trophy winner. That's pretty good company you're keeping there. Jake Butt at tight end, Michigan's first Mackey Award winner, who is just freaking killing it right now, by the way, on Big Ten Network. He's got a future for sure. Then we get to the big uglies, as Keith Jackson used to call them. Oh, Nelly. The offensive line, Jumbo Elliott, man. Like the first 300-pound offensive lineman in major college football back in the day and then played forever in the NFL. Offensive guard Steve Hutchinson, he's, he's one of the best offensive guards in the history of the NFL. He's got, a, he's got a gold jacket in Canton. Center, the man who once played on with a broken jaw, Steve Everett. Offensive guard from my very first team, Stephon Humphreys, fantastic student, great player, long time in the NFL. Bo had a lot of kind words for him in his autobiography. And at the other offensive tackle, the rare number one overall pick in the NFL draft, Jake Long. And a kicker, who else, man, but Money Mooney, the greatest kicker in Michigan football history, not just in the last 40 years, history. That, I mean, that was cash money, making that pick. So there you have it. That's my all-time Michigan team on offense. Again, Jim Harbaugh at quarterback, Tyrone Wheatley and Mike Hart at running back, Braylon Edwards and Desmond Howard at wide receiver, Jake Butt at tight end. Some of you are like, hey, where's Anthony Carter? That's before 1983, folks. He actually left school in 82. At uh, tight end, Jake Butt, the offensive line, Jumbo Elliott, Steve Hutchinson, Steve Everett, Stephon Humphreys, and I went back and forth between John Jansen and Jake Long and then finally just gave it to Jake for being the number one 
overall pick in the draft. And then Jake Moody is my kicker. So that's the offense. Let us know what you think in the comments section. It is now time for the defense. My 40th anniversary year as a fan, all-time Michigan defense at edge. Aiden Hutchinson pictured there. Automatic. One of the great players in Michigan history. Number two in the Heisman Trophy balloting. Defensive tackle, I think one of the most underrated players in college football history. Finally got into the College Football Hall of Fame. Still cannot believe Rick Leach is not in the Hall of Fame, by the way. That's crazy. But Mark Messner, four-time All-Big Ten player, three-time All-American. He absolutely wrecked defenses back in the 1980s. Next to him, Mike Hammerstein, who was the really the, the, the hinge point, the glue, the cornerstone of that 85 defense that went from unranked in the preseason AP poll to finishing number two in the country. And the other edge, still going strong in the pros, man. Brandon Graham, he's on. He's going to get a gold jacket. He's on his way to Canton when he is done as well. That defensive line right there, folks, is nasty. That is a filthy defensive line. At linebacker, Devin Bush, speaking of filthy, maybe the greatest athlete that ever played the position at the University of Michigan. Eric Anderson, the school's first Butkus Award winner. He gets the nod. The quintessential neck guard, thumper, 80s-era middle linebacker. And the other linebacker, even though he's kind of a glorified safety, but that was his official position when he was a Heisman Trophy finalist as well, Jabril Peppers. Those are the three linebackers that I chose. And you get a little bit of everything there. All right, you get a true wrecking ball in Devin Bush. You get a true thumper in Eric Anderson. And then you get the guy that you just put out that can play man-to-man blitz, your Swiss Army knife player in Jabril Peppers. That linebacker unit's pretty nasty, too. Let's go to the secondary. You start with the GOAT. Charles Woodson, one of the greatest players in Michigan football history, the first and still only predominantly defensive player to ever win the Heisman Trophy. Also has a gold jacket in Canton. At safety, Trip Wellborn, who might have enjoyed a very successful, and likely would have, enjoyed a very successful career in the NFL, except for the knee injury he suffered his senior year. Never fully recovered from that. But before that, he was among the greatest safeties of the Schembechler era. I'm going to go with the current safety, Rod Moore. Based on what he's already done, and what I think he's about to do this year, his third year as a starter. And, And let's face it also, safety's not been a great position at Michigan for a long time. Uh, and so I felt like I had a little more posi- more permission to project here with what Rod has already done and what I think he's on the brink of doing now here in his third year as a starter in Ann Arbor. The other corner opposite Charles Woodson, another guy that played a long time in the NFL, Marlon Jackson. And punter, Zoltan Mesko. I mean, who else were going to put on the team? Dude, dude was a machine. And in the Rich Rod era, he had plenty of opportunities. So that is my all-time Michigan defense. Aiden Hutchinson, Mark Messner, Mike Hammerstein, Brandon Graham. Man, that defensive front is filthy. Eric Anderson, Jabril Peppers, Devin Bush, Charles Woodson, Trip Wilborn, Rod Moore, Marlon Jackson, and Zoltan Mesko. Again, let us know what you think. 83 to 2023. Think you can put, put together a better team than that? Give it a shot in the comments section here on iTunes or YouTube. All right, when we come back, Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews, he's going to join us. He is really high on the Wolverines. He's going to tell us why next. 
Steve Dace here, and we get asked a lot, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing at Michigan Podcast? Well, now is a great time to become one of our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast is where you can go. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And if you go there, we're going to make you a little jingle. Uh, in fact, you would have gotten these a few months ago, before the, long before the season even started. All of my 2023 football futures bets I've made thus far. I can't recommend a selection any more than I bet this myself. And last year, if you followed my football futures bets and you bet alongside of me, you made a pretty nice ROI chunk of change by the time the season ended. So keep up to date on all things we think and do uh, here at Michigan Podcast patreon.com at Michigan podcast, but more importantly, just five bucks a month. And chances are, you're going to make a lot more money than that following our sports betting selections, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. And thanks to all of you that have been supporting us already. We appreciate each and every one of you go blue. Back here on Michigan podcast. It is time now for our annual conversation with the man behind what has become the most accurate preseason college publication out there. Pick six previews. Brett Siancia is here with us on Michigan Podcast. And Brett, it is always good to have you with us, brother. Are you ready for the final season of college football as we have known it most of our lives? Yeah, thanks, Steve, for having me on. And um, yeah, thanks for the praise there. And yeah, it's kind of the end of an era. It's kind of uh, nostalgic, but, um, you know, seeing the conference realignment, the, the divisions going away. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. It's the end of an era and ready to break it down for you guys. Before we get to what you think will happen this year, let's go further into the future. Are you excited about where the sport is going? Are you concerned a little bit of both? Yeah. I mean, mostly, um, mostly concerned. I mean, just cause I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I like the old, uh, the old status quo, the old conferences, the regionality of the sport, you know, your in-state rivals, your regional rivals and the four team bracket. I'm a big fan of, I've, defended it for a while so seeing all that go away I, I fear that it's too much change too quick now I'm sure that when we talk this time next year I'm going to be all excited for the 12 teamer and these new expanded conferences so I'm just going to enjoy this 2023 and then we'll, we'll re-gear for next year let's talk about the secret of your success with your publication how is it you've been perhaps the most accurate publication over the last few years what do you do what do you do differently than the others and, and specifically, you highlight a lot in your publication every year, your game grader formula. Tell us about that. Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, I have the, the uh, number one title over the last 10 years, the last five years, and last three years. So the triple crown there by stats and accuracy, who grades all the publications and magazines. So it's really a point of pride and looking to continue it again here in 2023. Um, how I'm different, I think it's uh, right away, it's a one-man show. Um, at the other companies, the other magazines, they have hundreds of writers one per team. They have staff, they have editors. It's a one man show here. So I'm doing all 69 power five teams myself. Uh, I like to dig in real deep. I'm you know, watching spring games, practice reports, talking to head coaches, talking to coordinators uh, and really digging in using my numbers, but putting it back into a readable format for the, for the reader. So I'd say it's a holistic approach. Uh, I'm kind of addicted to finding all the details I can and I, you know, I, I don't leave any stone unturned. So um, just, uh, I think uh, the, the deepest dive you can find on the market. Good stuff, and let's get to it. You are very high on the Wolverines this year. Tell us more. Yeah, well, um, you know, it started actually my Big Ten research. I did Penn State first. I looked at Penn State. I was blown away by uh, their offensive line becoming a strength, their five-star quarterback, and their running back duo. 
the next morning I woke up and did Michigan, and I was thinking, man, they just are a notch above in every category that Penn State was, and it's more proven. Michigan has already gone out and done it uh, two years in a row, back-to-back conference champs, back-to-back playoff appearances, and, of course, arguably the most important to Wolverines fans, back-to-back Ohio State wins. And um, I think you can make the case that this is his strongest team yet, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Could be the strongest line in the country again for a third straight year. I like all the continuity they have. I think I actually heard this on your show, correct me if I'm wrong, but looking back at playoff teams in the past, usually they are coached by the pros. The guys leave early, uh, early in release to the pros. Mm-hmm. But Michigan might have a record for the most returning production off of a playoff team. Correct. So it's all back. Yeah, it's all back in Ann Arbor. I love the con- continu- continuity there. And um, I think it's going to be the strongest yet. Well, you look at how the transfer portal and NIL has changed the acquisition of talent in college football and Michigan has decided and we'll see over the long haul whether this works or not. And, and, and you know, we actually may not see because I think we're probably closer to paying the players directly than ever before with what's going on with realignment and the amount of money that these schools are raking in. So maybe we won't get a final verdict on it. But right now, what you're seeing a lot of schools in Michigan's peer group do is utilize NIL primarily as an enticement for recruits, basically pay for play. What Michigan has decided to do instead is go the opposite direction. And instead of using it to entice recruits, using it to convince guys to come back, using guy, using it to convince, you know, Zach Zinner, Hey, you might be a third round pick. Um, come back, you know, you'll, we'll take care of you and maybe you'll be a first round pick. And so it's using it to retain its current roster. And then there's over a hundred players on Michigan's roster, Brett, that have been on scholarship at some point in time. And so you can just basically use this to completely just flaunt scholarship limits. Just take guys that, you know, pay for their grad school, essentially, um, and and Mm -hmm. via NIL and to keep them eligible. And so Michigan has chosen, while everybody else is focused on, let's go out there and get in bidding wars for the, you know, for the, you know, the 247 top 250. Instead of doing that, Michigan is actually trying to retain the players and, and get old. Uh, trying to retain guys from stopping from going to the pros, stopping from going to the portal, get older than everybody else, and then make it up in volume uh, instead of you know having nine first round picks as as Ohio State may have according to one survey. Michigan's probably got twenty plus guys that could legitimately get picked in the next NFL draft. They might not be first rounders, but you know a few of them might be. A few of them might be second rounders. A bunch of them might be third day guys. But they're kind of hoping Michigan's model is we make up for the lack of explosive five stars on the front end on the back end with grown-ass men who have been, you know, in a strength and conditioning program in college football for four or five or six years. And it's worked when it comes to conquering the Big Ten. We've not seen yet that it works when we get to that next stage. And I think that's where J.J. McCarthy comes in. I think that's the thing about this team. You mentioned the, the returning production. That would be unique enough. But to return with a starting quarterback that everybody agrees has not hit his potential yet at the same time, that gives you an idea that this team just may have a higher ceiling than what Michigan has had the last couple of years. Your thoughts on those two things? Yeah, well, first, with Michigan's program strategy, I think it's very interesting. I mean, I cover all 69 of these Power 5 teams. 69 teams, you can find 69 different program strategies. And, you know, everything, you know, something might work at some school and not at the other. I mean, look at Alabama. They're just the five-star recruiting machine, Mm -hmm. Uh, not to minimize their staff, but they're definitely a recruiter program. Uh, you have teams that can't recruit at all, and they have to go with outlier schemes. Like think of Mike Leach's offenses. Uh, they make up ground with an outlier offensive defensive scheme. You have guys that are transfer portal kings. Um, I think Lane Kiffin calls himself the portal king. Uh, USC, you've seen what Lincoln Riley has done. But, but yeah, to Michigan's point, yeah, player retention. 
And um, I noticed very early on when I was doing pick six previews years ago that the recruiting rankings, while they're important, that's just one piece of the puzzle. So I went out and devised other formulas like win conversion or player development. Uh, I think I need to add one to the book. And what we're talking is a player retention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I talk to head coaches and coordinators and ask them how everything's going and all. And they say the number one thing is recruiting their own players, you know, not even looking to the high school ranks. The most stressful part is keeping your guys on campus away from the NFL, away from other schools. So player retention is going to be the big topic the next couple of years. And then get into the ceiling of this team. I think that's J.J. McCarthy. I mean, Michigan has proven oh, with, yeah. with, with, the, with, the, with a, a Jag or a Jag plus, they can play complementary football given the, uh, the physicality they present on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And so now we're talking about taking that final step as a program, winning a playoff game, winning the program's first national championship this century. That's where the ceiling of J.J. McCarthy comes in, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, yeah, the, the high ceiling at quarterback, that unlimited five-star ceiling, uh, and then the skill positions because you get to these games, yeah, you can match up in the trenches, and that's so key. Very few programs can do it, so don't sell. You know, uh, we're saying that it's an achievement to win the Big Ten. It certainly is, and um, that it's some knock that they haven't won the national title yet. It is so hard at that next dynasty tier. So I think the strength in the trenches gets you the conference title. It's been elite on both sides of the ball, another strong front seven, another Joe Moore Award winner. But in now in this dynasty tier, this playoff tier, you got to have firepower on the outsides in the backfield and under center. And uh, what you have with McCarthy, like we said, as a five-star, what you have in the backfield is probably the best duo of running backs in the country. And I think they're number one in my unit rankings nationally uh, with Blake Corum surprising everybody by returning and the explosive playmaker Donovan Edwards. So uh, that's where you need to take that final step is just the explosiveness on the outside, the chunk plays. And I think McCarthy's a total game changer there. And look for some second-year games, too. He's only a second-year starter, and he's going to get some gains there. Let's talk about how you compare and contrast them with Ohio State and Penn State because, Brett, uh, the preseason AP poll came out on Monday. It's the first time since 1962 that the Big Ten had three of the top seven teams in the preseason AP poll. That's Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Just my own power ratings, uh, I had Michigan about a point and a half better than Ohio State on a neutral field. I had both Michigan and Ohio State roughly about six points better than Penn State on a neutral field. However, I have Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State double digits against every other team on their respective schedules on a neutral field. It is entirely possible we could be looking at a situation where Michigan goes to Penn State and loses, Penn State goes to Ohio State and loses, Ohio State goes to Michigan and loses, and they're all sitting there with one loss at the end of the year looking at what my power ratings are saying. And that that's assuming, by the way, that Drew Aller – develops to show at least some of the five-star potential. He was the number one pro-style quarterback in the country two years ago, that he'll at least be what Sean Clifford was. It, 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 it may be a slight upgrade, even if he's not ready to yet fully flash that potential. My power ratings are assuming that. So how did you differentiate between Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State? And, and just how do you see the path for all of those three teams, given how further ahead of the rest of the Big Ten it appears that they are? Yeah, well, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, like I mentioned at the top, I first studied Penn State and was blown away thinking this is a playoff-caliber team this year. And then the next morning, woke up and did Michigan and was just blown away even more. So I think they're all uh, solid top ten teams. I've actually got them all in my top seven. I go with Michigan number two nationally, Ohio State four, and then Penn State right there at seven. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is I think Michigan and Ohio State are more proven as, uh, as, as title contenders. Penn State it definitely has the ceiling. Uh, with their elite defense, 
uh, an improvement on the offensive line, which was a liability for about a decade since the sanctions, but is now a strength and uh, another five-star arm to talk about, Drew Aller. So, um, yeah, and I put in the book here, this is an interesting historical reference, but the 2008 Big 12 South, uh, where you had Texas Tech with Mike Leach, you had um, you had Oklahoma there with Sam Bradford, the Heisman winner, and Colt McCoy at Texas. They all went one loss, and it was a triangle of losses where I one remember, beat the yeah. other who beat the other. So that's my reference here is we could be in for a 2008 Big 12 South because I don't see any other team on any of their schedules challenging these three. Uh, you look at their non-conference, very manageable for Michigan, very manageable Penn State. I think they draw West Virginia, who's at the bottom of the Big 12. And then Ohio State with Notre Dame, but I think they get the W there. So, yeah, they're all going to – and there's a huge drop-off after the top three, I might add, in the Big Ten. So I agree with you there. I, I'm kind of hoping to see how they handle that, a bunch of 11-1s, uh, a triangle there in the Big, uh, the Big Ten East. Final thing, Brett. Other than an injury, a significant injury to J.J. McCarthy, Michigan doesn't live up to your ranking if what happens? Oh, I mean, I feel pretty good about this pick this year. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe just uh, without an injury there, maybe it just doesn't click. We don't see as many gains as we'd expect from, from year two uh, under McCarthy, but it's just hard to even say that because we've already seen uh, a playoff caliber team twice in a row. Right. So much of it is back. They're another year more veteran. Well, Brett, people um, forget that last offseason, McCarthy didn't throw the ball one time. Everybody seems mm-hmm. to forget that. J.J. set out from throwing all offseason, rehabilitating that shoulder. And then we got to fall camp, and he's now, you know, their number one snaps are going to Cade McNamara. I mean, he missed an entire offseason of development in only his second year in college and still had a 22-5 to touchdown interception ratio. I mean, what... What is he going to do yeah. with an entire offseason of development? And now he's getting the first team reps in every single practice. I mean, that is a factor oh, from last year people have not talked about at all. Absolutely. The game is going to slow down for him big time. I think we've got so caught up in nowadays how quarterbacks come in so developed and they're, it's common to see them start as freshmen. That never used to be the case. I mean, you don't expect a couple of development years, maybe junior and senior year piece it together. So uh, if we just take a step back from the current standards, yeah, he's way ahead of schedule. Uh, already the all Big Ten pick for me, first team quarterback, uh, and yeah, usually you see that biggest gain in your second season as a starter. So yeah, I, I think he's just scratching the surface. Has the best offensive line, the best running back duo in the country around him, uh, and a very very solid defense. You know, they called him a no name defense. I think they ought to change that because there's a lot of names here. It's going to be a lot of draft picks down the road. So uh, very complete team, and they're my pick to win the conference. Great stuff, Brett. How can people get pick six previews if they want? Yeah, thank you. It's uh, pick6previews.com or at pick6previews on Twitter. On there, I've got a couple sample pages, uh, testimonials from the college game day guys, and and, uh, Steve himself with a testimonial there. Really appreciate the kind words and the endorsement. But, yeah, and then we have the hard copy edition this year. We went to the hard copy, not just digital, so both options available. And, yeah, pick6previews.com. Really appreciate it. You got it, man. We always love having you on, man, because it means – the most wonderful time of the year is very, very near. So we look forward to getting to do this with you again next year, Brett. Good luck with the publication, and congrats on its growth and success. Very happy for you, man. Oh, happy for you, too, and, and good luck, Wolverines, this year. Prove me right. Prove me right here at the playoff pick. Amen. Good luck, guys. Amen. Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews will come back. Wrap things up here in a moment. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'.
Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you, who do you think is the head coach of Michigan football in 2024? Because there is an increasing vibe that this might be Jimmy's last ride between the NCAA garbage and he flirted with the NFL in the last two years in a row. And this is, has this looks like it's going to be his best team yet that this kind of is setting up for heading off into the sunset with a championship. But 56% of you, a clear majority, still believe that Jimmy will be coaching Michigan next fall. 27% of you believe it'll be offensive coordinator Sharon Moore. And I agree that if Jimmy moves on, he will be the next head coach. 18% of you believe it will be someone else. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Responding to me pointing out what a clown show the NCAA is. They, they spent Big Ten media days leaking this settlement with Harbaugh, only to then take back their own settlement. What was the point of all that public posturing and pressure then? Stephen Nova. Navoa, I should say. Stephen Navoa writes, honest question. Why don't we just do what most SEC schools seem to do and just ignore the NCA? What power do they really have? Stephen, all of the potential answers to your question are bad. There are no good answers. None. Michigan might be the, might be the last blue blood left in this sport who gives the NCAA any deference or credibility whatsoever to their own detriment in fact with this current case to their own detriment with what's going on recruiting now this class will be better than last year's but it, it has hit a wall and we're now we've even lost a few recruits because of nil teams just coming in and buying our guys you know and michigan could play the exact same game and get get away with it like everybody else is it just won't and so why well again all the potential answers to that question are bad they rank somewhere from just rank sanctimony uh, to things that are not nearly as nice. And sanctimony is not exactly warm and fuzzy. So again, all the potential answers to your questions are bad. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, share, or if you're on iTunes, follow. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you, especially here on YouTube the largest TV channel on planet Earth. And thank you for all of you that have done those things for us already. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast there. The season draws nigh. It is just around the corner. The most wonderful time of the year is almost here. So keep it right here at Michigan Podcast for all things Michigan related. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.